You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin. Sean, where can they follow you on Twitter? At Sean Martin NFL. So it feels great to be talking football to fans again. Real training camp practices and preseason coming up. And as I mentioned on our Twitter spaces, being here in Austin, you know, UT football kind of in the in the minds of people around here again. I see the hook'em horn signs and the burnt orange out again. So that's how you know football is close and we're getting up to a, our first preseason game coming up here against the Broncos. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane, you t- yeah, but it's also just high school football around there in Travis County because, hey, it's crazy this time of year. You got everything going on. And I really do enjoy this time of year because when there's Thursday night football, yeah, but it's the Friday night. You go and you watch the high school football, and then you got Saturdays, and then Sundays, and then Monday night. It's just, I can't believe that there's only two days out of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, that there's not football. And on those days, it's such a letdown. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, you know, you might hate on, you know, our listeners might shame me for this a bit, but, you know, I was uh, in Texas for most of high school football season last year, but just is not kind of up to speed on things yet to really attend any game. So it's definitely something I plan on changing going to this year. So you mentioned how big high school football is here. And there's no doubt I plan on experiencing it a little bit better than I got the chance to do last season. So as that gets going, we'll have football back. And I'm sure you'll be checking out games there in the Arkansas area as well. And you know, then before you know it, it'll be time for Cowboys Buccaneers, a game so big that even my Houston Texans fan friend is going to that one as opposed to going in any Texans games this year. Yeah. And like I said, that's just funny to me because they play the Cowboys in December. I'd figure he'd go to that game, you know? Yeah, I've kind of, and I can open this up to you as well. I've kind of been looking at which Cowboys games might make sense to go to this year. You know, the obvious answer, obvious answer is another home game. I've only been to the one last year, but, you know, now, now that I feel like I've crossed that off as far as seeing my first game at AT&T Stadium, you know, some of these other road games to travel again kind of become enticing, whether that's going home when they played the Giants for week three, which is a Monday night game, so that would be interesting. I've been to a Monday night game at my stadium before uh, when it was the Giants against Angel Ox, Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, which Cowboys games do you have on the radar if there uh, ones that you might be lucky at or that you would want to go to this season? I think that Green Bay would be fascinating if you're into the whole Lambeau field thing. Uh, but I think... Minnesota is fascinating because I think they've got a really beautiful stadium. I would not recommend the Tennessee Titans game on December 29th because that may be really, really cold. 
And then I think Cowboys-Jacksonville, that'd be a cool road game because it's winter and miserable and ice. And then, oh, Jacksonville and uh, sunny and sweltering. Yeah, I've worked at the Jacksonville game as well. I actually worked with a couple of Jaguars fans and I met one here in Texas. So, you know, for those out there that don't think Jaguars fans are real, I have met a bunch that aren't in their home state. So that's always pretty cool. Um, so I've worked at that game. Lambo, you know, a whole other experience. I know our editor, RJ Ochoa, has been to that game, so he can speak to what a Cowboys Packers game or any game is like at Lambeau Field. So I know some friends that are also looking at Cowboys Bengals, though, for week two to see, you know, the reigning AOC champions and. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, another big test for the Cowboys right out of the gate with that game after going up against, you know, Mike Evans and Tom Brady again in week one. We all know Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. And then, oh, week two, Dan Quinn's defense, are you really good enough to, you know, carry this team like Jerry's kind of hinting at so far in training camp? Well, here's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, you know, a Bengals team that went toe-to-toe with uh, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, they've got their work cut out for them, and they'll be tested early one of the problems for the Cowboys last year was penalties and something that has been going on even back during offseason workouts was the Cowboys were getting a lot of work with NFL officiating crews Brad Allen was in at Cowboys camp last week and Mike McCarthy said that he was uh, not only out there on the field but he was in the individual meetings and the Cowboys, uh, you know, Brad Allen out at Oxnard, but they'll have NFL officials at the Denver and the Chargers joint camps. Just how do you feel? Does it move the needle for you any at all? to think that the Cowboys aren't going to be a penalty laden team given their exposure to the officials, this training camp. I don't know if it moves the needle, but you know certainly it shows that they're true to their word. Ever since the combine, Mike McCarthy, when he speaks to the media, has been mentioning that one of his team's focuses is cleaning up penalties, even to the point where you know he's thought he's focused too much on it and taken away from other practice scenarios that the team needs to work on as well. But yeah, right now they are emphasizing exactly what they said. You know, they identified it as a huge problem last year, and it was a problem. We know that they're also struggling at kicker right now, so. You know, all those yards matter as far as every little penalty, a five-yard penalty that backs you up when you're trying to kick. Any of these things can become a huge play when you have uncertainty with how you're going to throw the ball, how you're going to be scoring points in the kicking game. And it's a point of emphasis for them, and it's part of the justification they gave for moving on from a guy like Connor Williams who's had his own struggles with the Dolphins in training camp so far. And and we have to watch if Tyler Smith is any better at left guard when it comes to penalties, cleaning up some of his hand play. I think he's done a good job of that so far. In Oxnard, defensive penalties, you know, things you can't live with, some of the late hit type of plays, roughing the passer, they've done a good job there. So if they do get do get that cleaned up, it's one of the few points of the few things we can point to where you actually say, hey, they improved in this area. You know, we're all talking about how they're worse at this position, they're worse here, they're not any better almost anywhere than they were during a 12-5 and season last year. If this is a less penalized team and they're winning as a result of that, then, you know, they'll deserve a lot of credit for knowing that that's what they had to clean up and putting such an emphasis on it so far to get to get that done. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating about the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy's approach is he's basically said, hey, uh, we're still going to play hard. We're still going to come out and have a certain attitude. 
with the way we play, and we're not going to adjust it based on the crew. And I kind of get where he's coming from, but certainly you would hope that they have a profile on the officiating crews and know, okay, um, just for example, um, Bill Vinovich's crew is going to call defensive pass interference very um, by the book. And so we've got to account for the fact that there's going to be, you know, at least three, I mean, upwards of three, a cap of three uh, defensive pass interference calls that go against our defense. So we've got to account for basically three big plays on defense by the opponent this week. I mean, surely you would hope that they at least factor in how these officiating crews are going to affect the complexion of the game and that they don't just roll the ball out there and let's go. Yeah, that was a point last season when we started hearing about you know these analytics departments and things that the Cowboys were doing that way. You know, scouting the officiating crews was, I think, something they could do more of in terms of attacking those weaknesses. But then you could question if you know you had the right personnel to, let's say, you are going up against a crew it's going to be more pass interference penalty uh, favor that type of call. You know, against the defense, do you have the receivers that can actually go take advantage of it? And that's especially a question right now. So. Yeah, this offense got figured out hard last year. You know, that, that point of discussion has kind of been beaten to death early in the offseason, so it hasn't come up in a while. But, you know, it bears repeating that this offense was just completely stuck in the mud for so many big drives where it was just filling out, balls going backwards, balls thrown into a tight window and knocked away from a guy like a Noah Brown or something like that. So it just didn't work. You know, what they were trying to do on offense was so many stretches of game time that they have a whole other 17-game season to prove it. And, as you mentioned on spaces and here as well, you know, the offense is going to look different as, as far as how they can prove that they can actually move the ball consistently at times throughout the season. You're going to start the year without Michael Gallup and James Washington, have to find ways without them. And later in the year, you're going to have to, you know, try to get the ball to guys like Washington and Gallup who can make plays down the field. So we'll see multiple versions of the Cowboys offense, just a matter of how consistent they can play and, you know, are they actually going to be productive and not really hold this team back compared to the defense that they're playing. Yeah, and, hey, they have the analytics out there. and I've been keeping track of just really the basically home team winning percentage and home teams with fewer penalties. And just even in one aspect, it started in 2015 when Dallas signed Greg Hardy and they were – supposedly going to have this immense pass rush. I wanted to keep track of, okay, well, they do. Um, and they're not generating. How many of those are due to, you know, missed holding calls and so forth. So I would track holding calls by, and I mean, like I said, just in one aspect in 2015, I've been able to tell who's who calls the game like a Martinet and who calls the game – just kind of like that uh, fun uncle that um, would uh, let you drive the car when you're 10 years old coming back from your grandparents type of thing. Um, and that's what played out over Thanksgiving. Sean Hockley 
I'd been tracking him all season at that point. And like I said, I got a profile on him since he started as a referee in 2018. And he, I just knew he was going to do that. He was just going to be over-officious. Uh, Bill Vinovich, even though I used him for the analogy earlier with defensive pass interference, he really just kind of lets them play when he's, you know, when his crew is over a game. And that's what I'm saying is you can tell, and this is just me, a, a guy, you know, living in the Mid-South who's been keeping track of one aspect of the officiating going back to 2015. I can tell you who's going to call the game a certain way. I mean, certainly you would think these NFL teams would have similar profiles on these officiating crews. And like I said, adjust accordingly. You don't have to build your game plan around it, but at least be like, you know, understand, well, okay, um, that we're going to have to watch out for, um, you know, the flags flying or we're not going to get our calls this Sunday, but we just got to go out and play. Well, what you do have to build a game plan around, you know, and the bigger issue you're pointing to here is going after the other teams, you know, players that you can take advantage of your best matchups. And that's, you know, and that adds to penalties as well. You know, if another team is a fourth string cornerback out there, you know, last year this team had no idea how to attack it how to go after it and say, okay, we need our best receiver, whoever it was that week. We know Cooper wasn't consistent, and they'll say that's why they were fine trading him for just a fifth-round pick. Whoever was stepping up, Dalton Souls, Tony Pollard, even go all the way down the depth chart, we know you could have success against this fourth-string linebacker or corner, and we're just going to go to it every single time, and different looks, we're going to find ways to use that to our advantage. This team had no idea how to do that for just really almost the entire season at times last year. And there were games where it didn't hurt them because their skill talent was just so high. They were so good across the board of guys like C.D. Lamb making plays down the field to, you know, go win you the game in Foxborough in New England, which is one of the last high points of the season. And at the times, it wasn't good enough. So that's the bigger point of emphasis that they need to be focused on in terms of, you know, knowing how to attack the matchups because teams are going to be doing the same to them. You know, we don't quite know exactly what the weaknesses on Dan Quinn's defense are right now because we haven't seen them against a real live competition yet, just the Cowboys offense. So we don't know if, you know, Anthony Brown's going to have another game like he did on Thanksgiving against the Raiders or if Sam Williams is going to, and George Armstrong are actually going to contribute to the defensive line or if it's just going to be Demarcus Lawrence and Parsons. But when it does get to that point, you know opposing offenses are coming after, you know, whatever your weakness is on defense. And the Cowboys have to find a way to do the same thing uh, with their skilled players as well. C.D. Lamb, Zeke Elliott, Pollard. We all know the names this year. And now they have to go win those matchups. And it does look like the Cowboys are trying to get the pre-snap stuff under control and take advantage of other teams' problems in pre-snap with Dak Prescott getting better with his cadence. Do you think that he's adding an element, a little edge to his game? that Aaron Rodgers had? Do you, you think we're going to be seeing a lot of, uh, you know, hut-hut and offsides? I think it could help. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go full Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, you know, running back up, up and back to the line of scrimmage. But I think it can help these receivers. You know, if you do have a more ex- unexperienced receiver out there, you know, a guy like a Dennis Houston or a TJ Vassar who's in a real game rep, he could use 
that cadence to not, you know, give away what route he's going to be running when that's all that's going through his head in terms of, you know, I haven't even been out. I, I don't have this live rep in my head. I just know I'm running this certain route and I'm going when the ball is snapped and the defense is kind of waiting for you at that point. So if Prescott can identify that and use his cadence to help those receivers, you know, just get a better timing off the line or to help the running game, checking out the calls that they should be running into and things like that, you know, that's when you'll see this offense evolve. But, yeah, it's somewhere in the middle of what you said there. He's not going to be full out Rodgers getting defenses off sides. But, you know, you better find a way, whether it's misdirection or the cadence or any of these things that can keep a defense on its heels. You better find a way to do that because even against soft boxes, you know, four or five-man boxes, this defense, this offense couldn't run the ball last year. And that's a huge concern. So the cadence helps you with all of those things. Yeah, and it just also illustrates how Prescott works on something every offseason when it comes to his game. And also, you know, this is one of the things that I find interesting about Mike McCarthy compared to his predecessor is he's talking a little bit more about these aspects of the game, which if you're a positive Cowboys fan and you see them, you know, you'd have to think, hey, they, you know, Mike McCarthy, he's always working on something. He's always finding a way to get better. And like I said, compared to the other guy, it was, well, this is the way we're going to do it, and we've got to be great today and stack good days on top of each other. And that's how it was. And maybe behind the scenes they worked on it. You didn't really know because the public talk was always, well, we just got to be great today. You always some say along the way, you know, for the, the Cowboys just kind of hide what they're working on. But also, you know, they show us with things like the Anthony Barr signing that, you know, I wrote about this on our front page, bloggingtheboys.com. You know, they do generally understand how this works in terms of roster building. And that's what can make it even more frustrating sometimes. You know, they do see things the same way we do a lot of the times as far as what positions need help. And linebacker has been one of them. And now they finally did something. But it just immediately puts the pressure back to, well, how do you explain the situation at kicker? You know, how do you explain what's going on at receiver and the pressure that you have on CDIM and, you know, Dalton Soltz, a tight end even, to step up? So, you know, they could come back and say, oh, we can't address every need. Or, you know, the cap crunch, the pie is what it is. But they've made these decisions, you know, a long time ago in the offseason at the start of this thing. You know, the Amari Cooper trade was one of the first things they did. And now to still be talking two weeks in the camp about receiver being such a struggling type of position, you know, that doesn't bode well for how they're trying to build this team. But then they do something like the Anthony Barr signing, which certainly helps. I don't think he's, you know, the same all-pro type of player, pro bowl player that he's been. But he's still going to help this team. I think Quinn will find a role for him. If they can do the same and apply that same logic to – kicker or receiver, um, you know, we might be talking about a different type of roster going into a preseason week one against Broncos or week two against Seattle, feeling a lot better about how this roster is built. And one of the areas where Cowboys fans are concerned with the roster is at receiver, although they have C.D. Lamb, who they didn't have in terms of a number one back in 2018, the 2018 and 2022 receiving cores draw a lot of comparisons. But you see the Cowboys, they went out. They're not sure about linebacker. They get Anthony Barr at receiver with James Washington having a Jones fracture with Amari Cooper leaving, uh, be traded in the offseason and then Cedric Wilson leaving for Miami. And then they address it by drafting Kalen Culver. 
So, do you think that the Cowboys have really positioned themselves and they're just set on the fact that, okay, we're going to be set back at receiver this year um, and that it's a part of a larger plan? Just what do you think they're doing at wideout? I think the larger plan is, you know, something of a reset and also valuing, you know, experience in this system. Last year was kind of a mix of, you know, different players that have come from different backgrounds, different systems, and trying to make, you know, this all-star lineup, if you will, at receiver work out. And, you know, of course, we all had high hopes for it. It definitely should have been more productive than it was. But as I mentioned here before, you know, for so many reasons, it just flat out didn't when it comes to having the trio of Amari Cooper, CDLM, and Michael Gallup all on the field at the same time. So when you can field a receiver trio like that and still see, you know, the mixed results that they did at the position, it does bode some merit to like, oh, maybe we do need a more structured, okay, Lamb's our wide receiver one. He's who we know the defense is going to prepare for. And we'll build off of that with other receivers that fit the scheme that can complement Lamb. Like I think uh, some of these guys do pretty well right now. You know, TJ Vassar, Dennis Houston, you're seeing kind of these big bodied red zone, go up and get it type of receivers. And Gallup will, of course, be that guy if he comes back at full strength as well. So the plan is, you know, for a different type of direction to go at receiver and get guys who fit the scheme, whatever their commitment to scheme may be. You know, the pressure is on Kellen Moore to prove he is the guy who wants to scheme this offense for years to come and not just, you know, this upcoming season. And then we're talking about a coordinator change. If we are talking about a play calling change, does Mike McCarthy's scheme have you know, more of an influence here, the type of receivers he's used to working with in Green Bay, which looks pretty similar to what the Cowboys' Steph chart is at right now. And then from there, you know, it's pretty much staring them in the face. They are going to need more talent in this position, though. I think even if Tolbert breaks out later in the year as your third-round pick, you know, come draft time next year, we'll be talking about adding another receiver in that top 100 picks. But for now, yeah, they have a lot of trust in the guys who are making plays so far in Oxnard making contested catches against guys like Trayvon Diggs and Jordan Lewis uh, has been a good sign for some of these receivers. And I think the receiving core actually will be looked at differently by the end of the year than it is right now. I don't think January 2023 Cowboys fans are going to be saying, and the receiving core stinks. I think that they will be saying, yeah, well, if they can just lock up, C.D. Lamb and and Jalen Tolbert can take that step and and you know I think that there will be some optimism for the receiving core by the end of the year because that's what I think is I think that they expect it to develop throughout the season. Problem is that may cost them some ball games early on. Oh, absolutely! You know, last year we talked about this team getting off to a hot start, but then still selling us what they showed us in the playoffs, which is, you know, not being really ready for the intensity of that 49ers game and ready for what the 49ers brought defensively to you at all. So now that makes it even harder, you know, if they do get off to a a fast start to kind of justify, you know, those wins meaning as much. If they don't, like you're saying, if they do struggle in the pass game because you don't have a Gallup or a James Washington because the competition is pretty stiff in your first couple of weeks with Tampa Bay and Cincinnati and the Giants on Monday Night Football on the road in week three. So if you have all these things going against you, you know, of course it's going to look bad, but their back's kind of against the wall as well because even if they get off to a hot start, the talk is just going to be, oh, well, we saw this last year. You know, let's go see what you do at the end of the year. And they're going to have a lot to prove a receiver still at that point. 
because Gallup and Washington and all these guys will presumably be back in the lineup and they'll have to perform, you know, going into another tough game like you had against the wild card uh, matchup for the 49ers. Yeah, and you've seen the Cowboys try to make some improvements to the team relative to how they lost to the 49ers. And one of the ways was, okay, Connor Williams, let him walk in free agency, draft Tyler Smith. But with that comes one step backward and then two steps forward. So how long do you think Tyler Smith is going to be a sieve along the Cowboys' offensive line? When do you think he's going to at least get to Connor Williams' replacement level? Yeah, I think it's hard to say you know, exactly when his development is going to come along. You know, I think when you mentioned his struggles – it's been mostly from what we've seen and where he's going to need more reps. And he is getting those reps, you know, in Oxnard so far. But just in the normal, you know, five-on-five pass protection type situations or picking up the blitzes that, you know, Dan Quinn is bringing with Parsons coming after him or whoever they decide to challenge Tyler Smith. But what you have seen as a positive from him is when he can get out in space. That's always been when the Cowboys' offensive line is at its best. It's how they're built and the type of offensive lineman they look for who can get out there and block against the linebackers and secondary players in the screen game or the short passing game and get out on the move. Smith has fit that very well. So if that can be a bigger part of this offense, which we've seen some screen passes to both Elliott and Tony Pollard to make the most of that, and we've seen Dak Prescott running behind a pulling Tyler Smith. So if they can make that a bigger part of the offense, you're going to see an impact. But you know, at some point you have to get under center or snap the ball back and just keep Prescott where he is in the pocket and have Smith hold up in pass protection. He's not always going to be out there digging out linebackers and smaller cornerbacks. You're going to need him to block some big defensive tackles against, you know, take the Eagles, for example. We all we all know what they just did, drafting Jordan Davis and what they have on the defensive interior. So those are the reps he needs to really improve on. And, you know, to answer your question, it's hard to say exactly how things are going to come along for him in that part of his game. But, you know, the Cowboys certainly have enough guys to throw at him, whether it's Sam Williams or Parsons or, also, Diggy Zoo to uh, try to start seeing that development sometime soon. Well, according to Jerry, the for an NFL season, it represents one and a half college seasons. So, I think by the midway point of the season, he should be acclimated enough to the NFL. Uh, the thing is, he's probably going to, like I said, is be the cause of some of the hiccups. Uh, I know that he's trying. I know that he is that he has a certain deference when it comes to his job. Ty, he's talking with Tyron Smith. He's talking with Zach Martin on how to play guard. But there's just still the getting out there. It's kind of like blast from the past, okay, with Brendan Fraser, and he was down there in the bunker for 35 years. And his dad taught him all about baseball, but he never saw any of the games. He just saw it from a schematic standpoint type of thing. Then when he went and saw a baseball game um, with Eve and her friends, then it was, oh, I get it. I, I finally get it. And I think that you're going to have a lot of moments like that for Tyler Smith along the way. And then, like I said, I think by week nine, he's going to be at Connor Williams' replacement level and if he's not highly penalized by that point then i think you'd have to say that he is a hedge better than connor williams 
Yeah, Cowboys fans, you know, I've mentioned this before, kind of a tradition that there is. A, I feel like other fan bases don't do. You know, I can't say that comfortably as far as knowing somebody from every fan base, but I do feel like I know enough fans of other teams to say that they don't pay attention as much as Cowboys fans do when it comes to free agents or trade traded players that have left the team and trying to see how they do to justify, you know, if the Cowboys were right or wrong in making that move. So, you know, every time there's an Amari Cooper update from Cleveland, Cowboys fans are keeping an eye on it, saying, oh, well, look, our receivers are going to be fine because we wouldn't even have Cooper on the field right now or something along those lines. And Connor Williams is playing center and getting beat a bit at a new position there in Miami. And it's like, oh, well, we already have a center. Tyler Biotis, so of course we don't need that. And we just got to upgrade at left guard in the first round as well. So that's been an interesting thing to follow in this offseason. But what it doesn't cover is that, of course, you know, you're still going to need these players to step up. It doesn't matter what Amari Cooper is doing if the Cowboys' pass offense is indeed struggling. It doesn't matter what Connor Williams is doing if Tyler Smith isn't actually proved to be better than him. And that's why, you know, you said by week five, that's a pretty realistic target. Why this first stretch of the season could really not be the same Cowboys team that we're seeing at the end of the season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, we talk about it, I do, every other week. Those first five games – I mean, that is when, if I were running a media empire, that is when I would have a meeting right now, and I would say, I want you to do this, I want everybody to get ready for the first five weeks of the NFL season, I want Dallas's trash written as drafts, I want Dallas is going to win the next 10 Super Bowls written as a draft, I want Dak Prescott's trash. I want Dak Prescott is the new Tom Brady. I want Ezekiel Elliott's going to get three contract extensions. I want Tony Pollard's garbage. I want it all written because that's what's going to result, just regardless of how it goes. Dallas is either going to win the Super Bowl if they beat the past two Super Bowl champs and then throw in the Buccaneers, or they're going to just be flushed down the sewer line if they lose those three games. Like I said, it's just it's going to be fascinating. And then th- I said realistically they could start 0 and 2. And then that's different in a 17 game season, but people are still habituated to the 1990s and you know, 16 game season. So oh it's a death knell. I it's going to be fun. It is going to be if you run a media empire it is going to- Yeah, we've, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, if they go 0-2, but just to look beyond that with the Buccaneers and the Bengals at home in weeks one and two, you know, you make a good point because they do play in prime time after that. Week three is a road Monday night game at the Giants, and then you play the Commanders in a one o'clock slot at home. So that's, you know, your second test against the NFC East, and we'll see how they fare trying to repeat as division champions there. But then right after that, you know, you're playing on the road at the Super Bowl champion defending Rams. So that's an afternoon slot game you know, with a lot of eyes on it as well. So it's not just those Bucks and Bengals game, games. And if it does come down to we lose to the Buccaneers again because Brady's never lost to the Cowboys and that whole thing, you know, we forget how close last year's team was to 0-2. They had a win, kind of a close, one-score, gutty type of game at the Chargers on the road. So that's the type of win that we don't know if they're going to be able to get this year. One-score games always flip-flop from year to year, it seems. So they're going to have to prove they can win those types of, you know, backs-against-the-wall games like they did at the Chargers last year. It just so happens that this year's week two opponent isn't 
you know, a Chargers team that wasn't all that proven to that point with Justin Herbert. It's a Super Bowl representative from the AFC and the Bengals. So 0-2 is way more realistic this year. And, you know, from there, again, to look ahead, since we haven't done much of that, you have the Giants, Commanders, and Rams also potentially presenting a challenge right there in your division and with the Rams being a road game there in Los Angeles. Again, it's just going to be absolutely crazy. So that's – and for fantasy football fans too, I think that there's a lot of hay to be made with the Cowboys' offense. And Dak Prescott's going to do what he does, so he's a viable quarterback. And then Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know how he was last year with his – 58 rushing yards per game if he was, you know, if he's out of it now. And then the Cowboys defense and special teams, you figure that they're a good pickup. But who are your three Dallas fantasy sleepers? Players that fantasy football fans ought to be paying attention to as the drafts get going. Doesn't this feel like the worst year to be trying to answer this question? You know, the Cowboys offense used to be like one that even – Fans who hate the Cowboys are like, yeah, I need a part of that. You know, there's certain offenses in fantasy football you just know you want a Sarah of. You know, you want someone that's catching balls from Tom Brady. You want a Buccaneers receiver. You know, there's certain offenses that you could just say, I want somebody that plays on there because they all put up points. And the Cowboys used to be one of those teams, and now it's like, oh, who are your free sleepers? And we're naming, you know, like star players because you go down this roster and they're not viable uh, fantasy options. So my list is, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, and Ezekiel Elliott, because Elliott used to be the pinnacle of that guy who I just talked about. He used to be every fan. Cowboys are not would even overdraft to get him if they were a fan. You know, I'm talking about Cowboys fans primarily there. I know I've done it a few times. He would overdraft in the first round just to get Ezekiel Elliott and say that he's your running back and the one that you were watching on Sundays. But I think that's finally turned the corner a bit where fans don't know where, where to draft Elliott. You're looking for that value. And I think Elliott's going to prove plenty valuable. We don't know if that's going to translate to wins on the field. But I think the carries, the volume, and the touchdown production is going to be there where, you know, Elliott might not be the reason the Cowboys are, you know, running away at the division again. But if you're just trying to win a fantasy game, I think his numbers are going to be there enough to really help you out again this year. And then for Michael Gallup and Dalton Saltz, I think it's pretty obvious. There's a lot of Cowboys fans kind of sleeping on what Saltz can do as your tight end. But he's catching a ton of balls in Oxnard. He's the proven guy amongst a lot of unproven receivers besides C.D. Lamb. And he has a great connection with Prescott, especially when he's flushed out of the pocket. So Dalton Soldier's production goes in the same lines of Ezekiel Elliott there. The numbers are going to be there. The red zone target there to get those touchdowns. He's your tight end sleeper. And then Michael Gallup is a guy you're probably going to get much later in the draft because he's starting the year injured. But as he comes back into the lineup, he's a veteran guy. The Cowboys know what they have. There's something to be said this year more than ever about having a guy like that at receiver. Besides CDLM, you don't have anyone to trust in this year's offensive receiver. So Gallup coming back will be a big boost, and they expect it to be that. He's a big play threat, so just one or two catches can get you a good amount of fantasy points, and he can help you win that championship late in the year because you've got him in you know, the seventh or eighth round of your fantasy draft. Here's my fantasy advice. is I think you pick up Tony Pollard for the first five games of the season because Dallas is going to be trying to just replace the lost targets that would have gone to Michael Gallup. So they're going to get Tony Pollard involved more in the passing game. You know that he's a reserve to Ezekiel Elliott. 
and that if he gets hot, well, they'll feed him. So I think he's someone that you keep kind of in that flex role for the first five games of the season if you're looking to win games then. In terms of tight end, uh, Dalton Schultz, I think, is a viable tight end. Let's say, you know, Kelsey's gone and Mark Andrews is gone and some of the other top tight ends are gone. You just go for Dalton Schultz. He'll get you he'll he'll be serviceable for you. And he could have a big game. I mean he had big games lately. Matter of fact, his he was tied for with Amari Cooper for seventy eight catches, second most on the team, and he had eight hundred and eight yards, most receiving yards by a Cowboys tight end since Jason Witten in twenty thirteen. Same goes for touchdowns with eight. Jason Witten, 2013. So he's at least as good as old man Witten in that regard. Uh, so that Dalton Schultz, that's who you go for tight end. And then it's after that, it's just kind of an iffy proposition. I don't know in terms of who someone you would want to keep, but I would watch the Cowboys receiving gore. Because someone is, it could be Noah Brown. Noah Brown could replace Cedric Wilson in that particular role. And he could, he might have a good game for you. Just depending on what the complexion of the week looks like in the receiving course. Take, for example, his best game to date, which was Thanksgiving against the Raiders. Michael Gallup. Cedric Wilson were the one and two. C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper were out. Noel Brown filled in that third role, that Cedric Wilson role, and he had six catches for 58 yards. So he could be someone that kind of fills that role a little bit. And then Jalen Tolbert's going to come along at some point. And I guess those are my four guys. Tony Pollard, first five games of the year. Dalton Schultz all season. And then really look between Noel Brown and Jalen Tolbert throughout the year. Watch him on the waiver wires or make a trade for him. And those are my four guys that could help you this season, the fantasy sleepers from the Cowboys. Yeah, I can totally see Tolbert being that guy to make somebody look like a genius in the league. You know, late in the year, you're like, this guy's going to step up for the Cowboys. And especially if they haven't gotten much from James Watson to that point. Yeah, wait as Tolbert stepping into his prime at the end of this year. Yeah, I could definitely see him being a guy who really – has some big productive games that's, you know, either sneak you into your fantasy playoffs or get you through that playoffs, of course, to the championship. And, you know, Noah Brown with that, I kind of think he's the opposite of what I was explaining with, you know, a guy like Elliott where the production might be there, but he's not helping you win games on the field. I think Brown, the production would be there and he's helping the Cowboys win, but the fantasy, you know, output might not be there. He might come up with that one or two clutch throw down catches, but you don't get extra points for that. You know, things like that, moving the sticks being a red zone threat and you hope he sneaks a touchdown in there, but then, you know, you're sitting there looking at your box score and you got, you know, five points from Noah Brown and across him, across from you on the matchup wire, you got, you know, DeAndre Hopkins who put up 30 because he had three touchdowns and the Cowboys three touchdowns all went to see the Iowa Dalton Schultz. So you, know, you would think Brown, maybe you watch him for a couple of weeks and then if he's on the waiver wire and you have your own injuries to deal with, then you can pick him up. But I do like the idea of adding Jalen Tolbert to a, a fantasy roster before the playoffs. All right, Sean, let's go ahead and get the Cowboys' birthdays for this week. 
Starting on Tuesday, Deion Sanders turns 55 years old. Primetime was with the Cowboys from 95 to 99. And I throw it to you. Do you think he should be in the Ring of Honor? Oh, man, we're doing this again. The Jimmy Johnson thing is right back in the headlines. So uh, I do. You know, he's one of those few players that even though he's before my time, I still care a lot about. And I took the time to go watch his highlights and things like that. So when you have that type of image that the Cowboys, you know, try to get older players to some extent to fall into where, you know, guys who haven't even seen the prime of your career know about your career and things like that. I think that makes your ring of honor case almost right there. But of course, just one of many Cowboys who's still very much tied to football, being the head coach there at Jackson State and getting some big time recruits along the way. So Deion Sanders, uh, yeah, it should be in the Cowboys ring of honor, I would say. I don't think so. Here's why. Because he was only responsible for one Super Bowl. And he could say, well, he was there for the same amount of time as Charles Haley. You know, so what? Because Haley was responsible for three. Dion's only got one. For the, you know, for the Cowboys. So I don't think he should go in. Uh, it's gonna If it's going to be strict and all that, then no Deion Sanders. That's how I see it. Fair enough. Uh, you know, like I said, players that – you know, still make an impact on the game. That those legacy type of things do make do come into play and do make an impact. But that's a great point when you put it as far as you know, guys in the ring of honor who are here for the true dynasty years, and then Dion only being contributing that one Super Bowl. And you know, it's kind of the same line of thinking that they're trying to apply now as they get back and you know into the playoff teams. But to have Dion on only one of those teams hurts his case for the ring of honor. Yeah. And then on Thursday, Kayvon Frazier turns 28 years old. He is with Dallas from 2016 to 2019. You could put him on the long list of safeties that I think fans had higher expectations for. He was going to be another one of these long-time starters type of players, play down in the box. He's a little bit of what you have currently in Donovan Wilson and Jalen Coast, but it never fully worked out in coverage for Kayvon Frazier to be the player that I think some of us expected that he could be. At safety, and yet they still haven't figured out that position. Is you know, Marquis Bell was a UDFA that they're trying to get onto this year's roster to help out with Coase and Malik Coco and Wilson. Uh, but you don't have a player like Razor who has that draft ped- pedigree, being a 2016 pick for this team. And then on Saturday, Sherman Williams turns 49 years old. Hey, he was on the team same time as Dion, 95 to 99. He backed up Emmett Smith, and it was just kind of a waste of a draft pick. Another example of the Cowboys using those 94 through 96 drafts to take predominantly backups, and it really cost them because then once their talent left for free agency, it was responsible for the dynasty. They didn't have anything coming behind them. They just didn't have that dirty dozen type draft. Then you got Greg Ellis on Sunday, turns 47 years old, Played with Dallas from 98 to 2008. And, of course, unfortunately, he's remembered for being taken ahead of Randy Moss. And then, oh, well, Dallas, they're going to pay for that. And then also on Sunday, Julius Jones turns 41 years old with the Cowboys from 04 to 07. Played running back. And he looked like if only he could stay healthy, he might have been an heir apparent I mean, not an heir apparent, but just really kind of take the reins that were left on the ground in terms of the, you know, the feature back in the Cowboys offense post him at 
and it just never manifested for him. Yeah, it did not. You know, along those lines, like I talked about with Fraser, was never that type of player. And up and down this current Cowboys roster, you have players who are going to kind of have that type of season as well, right? We, we have a lot of guys out here right now in Oxnard that are going to be something that and they haven't proven yet that they can be and they can step into big shoes that have been left behind for agency or we're going to be looking at you know completely rebuilding at certain spots because those players that you're trusting right now haven't stepped up. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. All right, Sean, this week uh, I'll be down in the Lone Star State. And not to put you on the spot, but looking at Thursday, um, I'll be up in the Dallas area about actually lunchtime, if you can make it. I will uh, certainly let you know, you know more about that Thursday. Lunchtime might be a little bit tough just coming up from Austin. I know Thursday is a full moon here uh, as well, you know, as far as where it'll be visible. So planning some things around that. But, hey, I would say even if I can't make it, try the sandwich, of course. Uh, give you a full review. And I will, uh, you know, do my best to see how it compares from afar to what you would get in New Jersey. My friend Pat, who's tuned into our spaces and is a listener of this show, he was back in our home state this week, and he, of course, went to his favorite diner and pizza places and all those places before he before he goes back to North Carolina. And, of course, he timed this trip to make it back to North Carolina where he goes to NC State before football season because that's how much football means all throughout these states and uh, getting down to it here now in Texas. This is the end of episode 28. So that means we're going to do 29 episodes before we talk about an actual game again because we've only done one episode with a real football game to break down afterwards, and that was the Super Bowl. So we came on after Rams-Bengals, and since then we haven't had a single game to talk about going through 29 episodes. But that changes when the Cowboys and Broncos meet. It's not going to be, you know, of course, the full regular season action that we expect. It's going to be sloppy type of preseason football at times, but it's still going to be a real Cowboys game to break down for the first time in 29 episodes. So we hope you'll be with us for that. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, folks, so there it is. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.